Piggyback Writer is a, it's a fun, adventurous product that allows families to do more. Go further, go higher. We are a family business based on a family product. Welcome to Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Family Travel Radio is on the air, helping you discover the world of possibilities family travel has to offer. Well, hello, hello. It's Aaron Schlein here, and welcome back to Family Travel Radio, your go-to podcast for incredible destinations, amazing experiences, and life-changing family adventures. Today's episode is just a little bit different. Our guest is Brian Lifshitz, and Brian is an entrepreneur who, along with his brothers, created a product called the Piggyback Rider. And the Piggyback Rider is a product that helps families with young children, as well as families with children with special needs. It helps them explore more of the world together. Brian is a fascinating guy, and we get into his backstory a bit about how he was born in South Africa and moved to the United States as a child. And then we get into how and why he and his brothers invested so much time and effort in creating the Piggyback Rider. I also wanted to let you know that there will be a bonus episode coming your way very soon. My conversation with Brian got a little off track at times, but in a wonderful way. I edited parts of our conversation out of this episode because Brian and I start talking a bit more about entrepreneurship than about travel, but it was a fun and interesting conversation, so I'm going to drop that in as a bonus episode real soon. So if you want to hear a little more from Brian, a little bit more about his entrepreneurial journey in creating the Piggyback Rider and growing the the viral brand that it has become, then tune into that bonus episode. It's real fascinating stuff, and I'll be bringing that to you very soon. But in the meantime, my friend, we're going to chat with Brian Lifshitz. We're talking family travel. We're talking Piggyback Rider. Here we go. Pleased to welcome to Family Travel Radio the multi-talented Brian Lifshitz. His professional profile reads, visual communicator, marketer, entrepreneur, innovator, brand pusher, and creative for hire. And his personal profile reads, happily married for over 15 years, with two daughters ages 9 and 12, loves kickball, frisbee golf, and creating new products. Brian Lifshitz, welcome to Family Travel Radio, my man. Thank you for having me, Aaron. It's great to be here. Super, super excited to have you. Brian, before we get started and diving into Piggyback Rider, because we're going to get into all that, I got to tell you a quick story about just a couple of days ago, I was preparing for this interview and I Googled your name. The second result that came up was a video of you on a local television show. And by local, I mean local to me right here in Sacramento. And I'm not afraid to call them out. The show's called Good Day Sacramento. You were on talking about the Piggyback Rider, talking about how you developed it. And in my opinion... They treated you absolutely horribly. What's your, what is your memory of that experience from June of last year? So it's funny that you bring that up. Um, I, I didn't remember it until you mentioned the, the treatment. And, you know, over the years we've been invited, I've been invited so many places to uh, give radio interviews uh, online and in person. Uh, I'm very open. I'll do the best I can. But that interview, it kind of was all over the place. Um, and they were definitely talking more about themselves than allowing us to kind of share with the community other options and ideas of how to travel with a family. And, you know, when the interview was over, I kind of just sat back in my chair and went, wow, that, that was interesting. Uh, probably one of the most interesting kind of off the path conversations I've had. And 
you know, it is what it is. And, and sometimes you get good ones and sometimes you don't. Did you ever have the opportunity or, or the desire to go back and watch it? I think I watched it, if I remember correctly, the one time maybe after it it, it aired. And I, I, like you, I kind of was a bit shocked and I shelved it and said, you know what? I don't need to replay that or put that out there because it's not going to do us any good. Well, for better or for, or for worse, it's right there on the front page of, of Google results for for Brian Lifshitz. Hopefully, hopefully two things will happen. Hopefully we can replace that on your front page of Google with, with this interview. And I personally hope that I have the opportunity to redeem not only myself, but my hometown of Sacramento. And uh, so you don't feel like everyone's going to treat you the way they did on, on poor Good Morning Sacramento, or Good Day Sacramento, excuse me. No, no worries. I appreciate you looking out for our best interests, especially mine. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about you, Brian. And again, we're going to get to Piggyback Rider, which is which is why I invited you on the show today to talk about this super cool product, which I think opens up a lot of opportunities for families, especially with younger kids to explore different places and off the beaten track. But before we go down that road, man, I want to hear about you. We, we touched on the fact that you're a family man, got two kids, nine and 12. Tell me about your, your travels and the impact that travels had on your family so far. So I've got a, I'd like to say I've got an interesting background and I think it, I think why it makes me kind of travel oriented, though I'm not a huge traveler. Um, I was born in South Africa. Uh, so my family and I moved to the United States in 1980. We actually hopped on a plane on Thanksgiving day, 1980. We flew from South Africa to New York. We landed in New York. And again, remember 1980, no internet. Uh, world communication is, you know, uh, uh, very, very uh, little. So we arrive there Thanksgiving Day. Everything is closed. We have no idea what's going on. We don't know why nothing is open. And that essentially started my world travels uh, at the age of three uh, from South Africa to the United States. And the reason I say that is until I was about uh, 15, most of my family lived in South Africa, and then they started to splinter off into other countries around the world, Australia, United Kingdom, Israel. And we ended up, you know, when we go visit, uh, in order to get to South Africa, in order to go visit Australia, they're very long flights. And so, you know, you got to travel and stop in other um, countries, cities around the world. And so I, you know, at a young age, had a very good uh, travel repertoire, going to Hong Kong with my brother, Buenos Aires, Australia, South Africa, the UK. And so I, you know, just for the sheer fact of where we came from and to be able to stay in touch with family, uh, seeing Facebook wasn't around, we had to travel. And so we did a lot of traveling when I was younger. Uh, even once we moved to the United States, my parents did a lot of kind of car traveling. We grew up in Southern California. And, you know, we were always going to the mountains. We were always going to San Diego. Um, so the traveling from an early age was something that was set in me of like, you know, by the time I was 15, I had seen more of the world than a lot of people I knew. Um, you know, and, and so it was a lot of fun. It started that, that good base. Uh, a lot of friends I grew up with never traveled until they were like 35 or even now close to 40. So very different experience for me. And, and, and that's what kind of put me on the map of the, um, the world is a big place and there's more to go than just outside your front door and down the street. So that's kind of my upbringing. Uh, still to this day, my parents, you know, whatever we can do as a family, we're going on uh, family cruises, family trips. We do a lot of stuff and there's 16 of us when you talk about the grandparents, the adults and the kids. So we do do a bit of traveling. 
before we move on to present day, let's let's back up just a little bit. The the splintering off of your of your family from from South Africa all over yeah. the world. Tell me about that. Why tell me about the the splintering off? Why did that why did that happen? Well, um, I don't know how much you know about South Africa and 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 I don't mean to talk poorly about it, but back then my parents saw something in the 70s that said, you know, we want to make a better life for our kids, uh, specifically myself and my two older brothers. And so they wanted to make a change. My dad's old, uh, younger brother um, had the opportunity to come to the United States, and he was a bit of uh, a procrastinator. So my parents jumped on the plane, came out here, uh, saw how wonderful it was based on this idea of making a better life for their kids. They didn't want us growing up in South Africa. That being said, some of my cousins who are my, you know, my same age, my, uh, my dad's uh, brother and sister's kids, they all decided at a certain point, about 25, 30, to start moving out of South Africa to Israel, London, and Australia to make better lives for their families. And I think to date, I think I have th- maybe three cousins left in South Africa. So it was really about everybody looking to kind of make a better life from what we had seen life was to what it possibly could be. What would you say the difference was in terms of, of this mindset and values in your family? And that sounds like your extended family as well, as opposed to the people who decided to stay there. Because moving away from a comfortable, air quotes, comfortable location to this new life in various corners of the world, that takes, that takes some nerve, that takes some guts. So tell me about that, that mindset of being willing to take that step. You know, I, I, I've got to put all of that in my parents. I mean, at the age of three, I didn't have much say in it. As I've gotten older and as I've kind of talked to them more to understand what life was like for us back then and why, my parents really, it was about family. They wanted family to uh, be able to have the best opportunities, the best life. And based on the 30 plus years my parents spent in South Africa from being born to you know 30 plus when we moved, they just didn't see the value. They didn't see the value of staying there and they wanted us to grow up with a better opportunity. And everything they heard about the United States was, uh, you know, what most immigrants hear about the U.S. and why you want to come here. So I can't really speak to much of that because I was so young, but I can tell you that almost daily, if not every single Thanksgiving, um, I'm giving a big thanks to my parents for making that decision, for moving away from their family, because it wasn't easy. My grandparents were quite upset. They ended up flying out here, you know, once or twice a year to come visit us, which was quite expensive. So it did kind of splinter us a little bit more. Again, Facebook, the internet wasn't around. Unfortunately, the relationship with my cousins isn't as solid as I would like it to be based on our upbringing and and just not being as connected. We're now starting to become more connected because of things like Facebook and the internet. And now we can see each other's lives. But you know, I, I think when you talk about family, you kind of have to look what's best for you. And then you kind of look, and, and when I say that, I mean your immediate family. And then how does that affect those around you? I know you don't want to talk about the, the present, but the interesting thing is once my brothers and I graduated college, we actually all moved away from home to get away from my parents, right? <laughs> that was like this kind of funny thing that they brought us to the US. They made a great life for us. And then when we went off to college, they were like, do whatever you want. And we all left, right? And we never, ever came back. But family was so important to us that literally, you know, I mean, my dad 
uh, we lived in Southern California and he was employed up in, in LA. And so he drove a good hour and a half to two hours each way every day for 15 years uh, until it just got too much for him. And he said, I'm done with that. So it, it really comes down to family. It's just, we, we do what we can as a family so we can spend time together so we can uh, be able to grow and be able to just have that opportunity, you know, really to, to do whatever we want to do. I love that. And I can just, just doing some quick math in my head. I'm realizing how much you and I have in common outside of me not being born in South Africa. You said you moved here when you were three in 1980, makes you born in 1977. Same as me. You grew up in Southern California. I grew up in Orange County. My dad commuted to LA every day to work back and forth on the train though. But I think you and I very linear path. Once you moved to the States, what was that like? Okay. So you're three years old. You probably don't remember a ton about that early childhood. I, I personally didn't know any South African immigrants growing up. What was that like living in the States as a South African immigrant? Well, you know, what ended up happening is a lot of South Africans uh, left and moved to Southern California. And so by the time my parents had got there, there was a number of other families. uh, And then over the next few years, a bunch more families ended up uh, moving over as well. So it was a pretty tight knit community. It, It was almost like this South African community had just basically up and moved to Southern California. Unlike my cousins who lived in South Africa to, you know, the age of uh, 20 plus years old, I didn't understand what it was like until I went back and visited over the years. And so when I'd go back and visit and I'd see, I think I was like 12 or 13 and, you know, you go into a home and there's a guard guy outside with 15 foot concrete walls, electric fencing on top of the walls. When you go into the house, everything is double keyed locked on the inside and the outside. I mean, it was like crazy security. So growing up in Southern California, we would open the garage door and go out in the street and play with all the neighbors. There is nothing better that I could ever imagine for a child than being able to just go out and play in the streets. And I grew up doing that. And I'll never forget one time when my, my youngest cousins came to visit us from South Africa, uh, they were very young, maybe uh, f- five, seven, and nine-ish. And we were in the house, we opened the garage door, and when we opened it, they all peered their head out the door, but they never crossed the plane of the garage door because they were too scared to go outside in the street. They didn't know what it was like to just play in the street, even though they'd come into our house from the garage where there was no security, there were no gates, no walls. And so over the years, when you ask what it was like, all I can say is, again, I appreciate what my parents had done for us because I can't imagine my life living in South Africa behind walls, electric fencing, guard gates. Uh, Every time we'd go visit there, there would be a tragedy, something would happen to somebody. And I mean, this was exactly the reasons why my parents left. Not to say that the United States doesn't have any problems, and I know we don't want to talk about that, but it was a lot, lot better. And so at the end of the day, I mean, life was good. My brothers and I loved it. I mean, there was Southern California. What, what, you know, it was awesome. Such a powerful story. And you, you painted a great picture there. I had a 
cover my mouth from to prevent a gasp from escaping when you were painting the picture about your cousins peering out of the garage because there's they were used to being behind gates back home in South Africa. That is such a powerful yeah. and especially to think about it in the context of children. It makes it even even that much more dramatic and emotionally charged. I really appreciate you sharing that story. That's that, that's good stuff, man. Yeah, and I'll never forget it either because in this, when we crossed the plane and it was like come on, it's okay. You can come into the street and we'll throw the ball around. They're like, no, 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 no. We're not allowed to be in the street. And, and, and again, for a young kid, when I was young, when I was that age, I was, I didn't understand it. I didn't, I was like, what's wrong with you guys? Why won't you play in the street? And it's because I didn't understand what they've you know brought up with. And so going back to this kind of family travel, it's allowed me to learn a lot about different countries around the world, what families are doing, how they're doing it, which really relates to, you know, Piggyback Rider and kind of the product that we made and, and how I try to dig deep of all of my experiences and try to, you know, think about how that affects other people uh, and then move forward to make other people have an amazing adventure with their family. Well, let's, let's dig into some of those, some of those experiences and some of those memories. First off, just talk about your, your family now. You're married, two kids. Just tell me a little bit about the, the travels you've experienced thus far. Nine and 12 are your daughter's ages. Where have you guys been so far? What I've learned about myself over the years is I want to call myself a five-star luxury traveler. And you may. You may call I, yourself whatever you like. Yeah. I, you know, Over the years, doing all the travel I've done, uh, times that I, I traveled with my brother to go to South Africa, Australia, we stayed in hostels. We've stayed in all kinds of places, and I've realized that's not my cup of tea. Years ago, my wife and I bought into some timeshare. We've worked it really well, and we appreciate it because it allows us to do what we want to do and travel where we go. The reason I say that is we've had it for a very long time, and I'm going to kind of tell the story a little backwards. My kids are such timeshare snobs now that when we go to a hotel, they're like, ew, this is a hotel. This is so gross. Why don't we have a full kitchen? Why don't we have big bedrooms? And I, my wife and I laugh at them and we're like, man, you got, we didn't realize we we're spoiling you already. Um, and so when we do take our vacations, most of them are through our timeshare. We like car traveling so we can put our kitchen sink in and travel where we want. Um, it allows our dollar to be uh, stretched a little further so we're not spending on airfare. And so the, the car travel is our preferred method. And so, you know, we live here in Arizona at the moment and we've done a lot of the California trips just last summer. We actually all got in the car. I even took my niece and nephew and my mother-in-law. And I think that was eight of us. We all jumped in our pilot and drove down to Mexico. I think it was about a, a 12 hour drive to where we went. It was a little scary, but my 12-year-old is, is fluent in Spanish, and so she actually saved us uh, on the way back out when we got pulled over uh, by the military police to search our car. I didn't know what they wanted, and my 12-year-old bailed us out. When we left, all the military police were waving at us and smiling like they had such a great time because of my daughter. So as far as travels, we're gearing up for some bigger travels outside the country, some of our bucket lists, my nine-year-old wants to go to Japan. I don't know why, that's, that's at the top of her list. And my 12-year-old at the top of her list is Thailand. I don't know where they came up with them. They're watching videos, their favorite uh, YouTube stars are talking about places they go. 
they want to go. Yeah, that's got to be it. My 16-year-old nephew's never been out of the country, but he, uh, he told my parents, they told him that they'll take him anywhere he wants to go when he graduates high school. He said he wants to either go to Japan or Russia. He's never left the country. No real context for why he wants to go there, but it must be the videos. When you're telling the story about your daughters in the timeshare, I love the contrast thinking about that side by side with the story of your cousins, you know, just how, how far, how much has changed in one, just one generation. Oh, yeah. And you also oh, said yeah. something, which we're going to transition here into why we have Brian on here to talk about this product you've developed. You said you want to travel where we want. And you, Brian, as an entrepreneur developed this product that allows you and many other folks around the world to do just that travel where we want. Brian created the piggyback rider and tell us all about it. Where, how'd you develop it and what can we do with it? What can't we do with it? Sure. Uh, the, the piggyback rider is a, it's the world's first and only standing child slash toddler carrier. And so the reason I say that is if anybody's been a parent or around a child, you've carried a kid. Simple. In the 10 years we've been working on the product, we've asked the question a million times, have you ever carried a kid before? And, you know, I can tell if somebody says yes, because immediately it's that, oh my gosh, they're thinking about to the last time they carried the kid and it was either awesome or it was awful. The piggyback rider allows you to take toddlers and do more adventurous stuff with them. My brothers and I created this product about 10 years ago, and really what it was, was we looked at uh, opportunities of being able to do more around the house with our kids as fathers. So what ended up happening is my brother needed to do some uh, work around the house, and he initially uh, created a concept. He put his five-year-old on it, and they were doing house chores. Uh, the following weekend, my older brother came down to visit him because we were all living in different states around the country. Uh, my older brother came down to visit my middle brother. He, they, they kind of shared the product. My older brother, he's our outdoorsman in the family. He loves you know, hiking and camping and all of that stuff. And so he looked at it and said, wow, that's really cool. I think I can make it better. So they started to get into a competition. Then my brother, my middle brother sent me one of his, his prototypes. Uh, that I used because I, I had a lot of lawn here in Arizona. So I was always mowing my lawn. My daughter's always sitting out the front window looking at me, kind of crying, kind of, I want to be with dad, but I don't like the loud lawnmower. So one day my wife brings me the prototype. I throw it on my back and my daughter goes from, you know, I, I know we're on video, but I'm holding her under my arm while trying to push the lawnmower. There's a photo of this and I've seen it. And I think it was in that horrible interview in Good Day Sacramento. Yeah. <laughs> you're holding, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're holding her like a football and you've got yep. one arm and you've got your other hand on the mower. You look kind of miserable. It's probably hot yep. in Arizona. It, yeah, well, well, no, definitely. And uh, we'll link that photo up. I'm not going to link up that awful video. If the folks out there want to Google it, I'm not going to give them any. I'm not going <laughs> to give them any love by linking it up in the show notes. But I will find that picture and link it up in the show notes. It's a cool picture. Appreciate it. So that that was my first taste of the product, and I kind of uh, shrugged it off at first and laughed at it, like most people do. Hey, it's funny. Why do you need this? When I put the product on and my daughter got on my back, and I went around the, the yard one time. She was about 18 months at the time. She weighed about 25 pounds. I did not even feel her on my back. I was able to stand up straight. I was able to use both hands and push the lawnmower. My daughter's head was right next to my ear, so she was kind of whispering sweet nothings into my ear, and, Dad, this is so fun, yay. 
and my wife grabbed those photos that you saw. As soon as I was done with the lawn, uh, I went inside, I picked up the phone, I called my brothers, I was like, guys, I'm in. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I said, I want to be a part of this because I see the value of it. I literally just used it and it was awesome. That was about nine or 10 years ago. So to clarify, so we've created a patented child slash toddler carrier that allows you to stand up straight, hands-free, and allows the child to get a bird's eye perspective of life. And so the product does a number of things. It allows you to go further because you're now not walking at the pace of the slowest, smallest legs in the group. So again, in the years that we've done trade shows and events and spoken to people, most people say to us, well, I don't carry a kid. And I say, okay, let me just, let's go back. I said, when you guys are going on a family outing and you get to the bottom of the mountain because you've planned all week to go for a hike and you start your hike and you get to the, the base of that mountain, and you're about to go on the hike and your, you know, your four-year-old drops to the ground five minutes in and says, I'm too tired, in there. right? What do you do? As the parent, I, I've come up with three options. You leave the kid there and you go on your hike or you pick up the kid and you take them back to the car or you drag them, right? And, and you're not going to do any of those things, right? You're not going to drag them and you're not leaving them. So that second option is picking them up. So the question is, is are you picking them up and you're going on the hike or are you picking them up and going back to the car? So our product allows you that extra added benefit of taking the kid easily on an adventure where the kid doesn't really know that they're still doing the same thing standing, right? There's Because they're having so much fun. They're seeing life at anywhere between five and seven feet, depending on how tall the adult is. I have never seen a kid, unless they don't like heights, get on the back of their parent without a smile from ear to ear with just the air up here is so much nicer. It's crisper. It's cleaner. Um, I can see this view. They love the ability to talk to mom and dad right there. Then it comes down to mom and dad and, and, and how much you want to make your child a part of the trip. So when I first used the product, I then used it for the next, on my daughter who was 18 months at the time, I literally carried her until she was about seven and she hit about 55 pounds. Our weight limit is about 50 is what we say a normal human being can handle on their shoulders. What ended up happening was I can still carry her, but I didn't want to carry her for extended periods of time. Now, my 12-year-old happens to be a little bit on the short side. So what we ended up doing over the next three years was I would just use it kind of like a ladder. So when we go to the zoo, we go to a concert, a festival. We went to Disney, uh, instead of me having to go all the way up to the front of the line for the parade and wait, I could stand behind people because at the end of the day, it wasn't really about me. I wanted to make sure my daughter could see what was going on and she was a good head above everybody else. So in those times, it allowed me to kind of go, this product has some legs. I mean, you know, pun intended, <laughs> there's value here. I believe people will like this. How can we get it? to the masses. And so from that point, uh, my brothers and I about nine, 10 years ago, uh, you know, took our prototype, worked with some people to create um, the designs. We manufactured it and we've been selling it around the world ever since. 
Well, it says right there in your bio, third word, entrepreneur. And that's what entrepreneurs do. They they seek opportunities to provide value and build amazing businesses around them. And that's exactly what you've you've done here. How is being a part of such a, a movement, I guess, if you want to call it that, how has that changed your life from a career standpoint? We had a father many years ago, uh, maybe it's been five years now, sent us a testimonial. And I didn't believe it because it was literally three long paragraphs. But the short and the sweet was, he was a very large individual. He drank like a fish and smoked a pack a day. He found out that his wife had terminal cancer. She had a five months to live. They had a two-year-old daughter. And the two-year-old daughter spent most of her time with mom while dad was doing whatever he did. Well, dad realized mom maybe wasn't going to be around too much longer. And he needed to get his, himself in shape so he could be there for his daughter. He proceeded to start losing the weight, which he did. He stopped drinking. He stopped smoking. But in order to do those things, he found a passion in going outdoors, hiking, climbing, and just doing 5K races, just getting outdoors. And so he wanted to now, once his wife was about to pass away, I think he said she was a couple of months from passing away, he went on the internet and he was looking for something to allow the connection between him and his daughter. And he was looking for something and he landed on the piggyback rider and he bought it. And he basically sent us this testimonial after using the product for, I think, a month, just mentioning how our product has changed his life because now him and his daughter are like this, and I'm crossing my fingers for those that can't see. Him and his daughter now do daily piggyback rides just around the block. They do weekend trips hiking. They're both active and fit. And his daughter constantly says, Dad, I want a piggyback ride. For me, when I read that story, that was one of the motivations for me five years ago to really put more effort into what we were doing. Because if that was one individual that could change his life to be able to connect with his child more, I wanted to do that. And we have heard so many stories like that since. Even so, my youngest, when she was six and a half, she was diagnosed with a rare muscle disease called dermatomyositis. We had no idea what it was. But one summer, she just basically could not get in and out of our car. And we were thinking, what's wrong with you? You're six, six and a half. You should be able to do these things. Turns out she had this rare disease that's eating away at her muscle. She literally couldn't even pick up a pillow. So it kind of hit me what was going on here. And, 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 and she loved our product, but she didn't love it as much as my older kid. And that's because of her disease didn't allow her to stand on our back as long. My, my middle brother... Uh, he's a neuroscientist, okay, PhD neuroscience. He's the smartest guy I know. He helped in helping develop the product. We looked at it and said, how can we help other families with special needs? And we um, were at a trade show one day in Scottsdale, and we had a family come up to us. This was after the dad had told us his story um, about him and his child in the outdoors. This family came up to us, and they had a, a three-year-old they were, the dad was pushing the three-year-old in one of these like metal wheelchairs that just looked horrible. And he, he was looking at our banners and stuff and kind of was like, what is this? I'm very interested. And you know, we said, look, what's going on with your child? Let's see if we can help you. And he told us that his child had a serious stroke when they were two and kind of had paralysis down one side of their body. And the dad just looked at our product and got this huge smile and said, you know what? I think this can help our family you know, go to be able to do more. The mom's like, no, 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 don't do it. 
And we said, look, we've got a product here. Just try it. Let's see if it happens. That kid got up on the dad's back with one hand and one foot, even though the other hand couldn't really hold on. The other foot was on the platform. The dad stood up and took two steps. And the moment he did, that kid's smile just went ear to ear. My brother and I, I mean, our hearts sunk. The mom was crying and we were like, holy crud, this is amazing. Okay. My brother being the scientist and researcher that he is literally that night went home and applied the piggyback rider uh, to ABLE data, which allows, uh, if you can get it uh, pushed through your insurance, you can actually, if you're in a special needs community, you can buy a piggyback rider and submit it to your insurance, and it could be a device that they could reimburse. And so all of these stories about families, about where they go and what they do and how they do it, is why I'm so passionate about getting a piggyback rider in the hands of families so they're not yelling at the toddler to hurry up, pick up the pace because everybody else is walking fast. Uh, they're not yelling at the toddler, you know, because the toddler wants to be carried or they want to see more. Overall, your adventure, your travel is going to be so much better. You'll be able to get to your, your, your destination quicker if you're traveling in an airport or if you're at that event in Sao Paulo or or wherever, where you you know you just don't want to put your kid up on your shoulders. Our product does it all. We've been all around the world. Uh, we've seen things that I don't want to mention on the radio that people are using the product for, um, like mountain biking and skiing. But you know we we don't we don't condone any of that. We say as a parent, do what's safe. Just understand what our product can do for you and your family. Well, Brian, we certainly appreciate it, man. You've you've said it all. Stories, stories for days that I I'm sure I could I could keep talking to you for many, many hours. Piggyback riders all over the planet now, and you're changing lives, doing incredible things. Love the contribution you're making as as a parent, as an entrepreneur. And we're just gonna leave you on this call to action. Take your kids more places, let them experience the fun life has to offer before it's too late. Brian Lifshitz, really appreciate it. And of course, if you want to learn more about the piggyback rider, all over the web, but I'm going to give you that direct address and I'll link this up in the show notes. It's piggybackrider.com. All one word, piggybackrider.com. Brian, really appreciate you, man. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Aaron. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime. Well, all right. I hope you enjoyed my chat there with Brian Lifshitz from Piggyback Rider. Remember, there is a bonus episode coming your way where Brian and I get into more of the entrepreneurial side of the Piggyback Rider venture. Look out, that's coming to your podcast feed very, very soon. All right, my friend, check out the show notes, familytravel.org slash radio. Everything Brian and I talked about is waiting for you there. And I am going to be right back here, same time next week. This is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio, and I am signing off. Family Travel.